0: Kind of a surreal scene Joshua Cardi hits a school record 61 yard field goal With no time on the clock On the last play of the game And it's the Bears Who stormed the field At the end of big game Says it all doesn't it It has been that season for Stanford And the Bears Knock off Stanford In the 125th big game 27-20 the final score in Berkeley on Saturday. That's what we're talking about on this episode of the Treecast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Thank you for being here with us and spending another post mortem show, really, for Stanford football after another tough loss. This one was right in Stanford's grasp, had it. Up by 11, start of the fourth quarter. A lot of things look pretty good, but then the fourth quarter just spiraled out of control. Stanford outscored 21-3 by the Bears, who get to keep the axe in Berkeley for at least one more year. I'm Troy Clarity. Thanks for joining us on the show. As we're going to be breaking down the 125th big game, we'll get help from post-game thoughts from Stanford head coach David Shaw and a little bit of Mitch Lieber. Stanford safety, I mean, Stanford running back who's been converted from safety. He played his heart out. I want to say something a little stronger, but this is a family podcast. But Mitch Lieber played his heart out. More on that later on in the show. But Stanford just unable to hold up against the Bears in the fourth quarter. A couple of quick notes if you're wondering who I am, number one. Hi, I'm Troy Clarity, Stanford class of 97. Just got finished watching my 20th big game in person. This is my thirtieth season of following Stanford football overall, dating back to my undergrad undergraduate days um, on the farm. You can see me on the Pac-12 Network. Was on the call for Arizona State Cal women's volleyball earlier on Sunday, so I was in Berkeley both on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> Lucky me! <laughs> but uh, you could uh, check me out across uh, various sports on the Pac-12 Network. Ramping up my college football play-by-play slate on the national radio side for Compass Media Networks this week. Hello, College Station, Texas. LSU, Texas A&M is what I've got coming up on Saturday. Looking forward to that. But, of course, you can always subscribe to the show. I always appreciate that. Rate and review the program uh, wherever you get the good podcast from. That's where you find the TreeCast on your favorite listening app. Alright, let's start to dive into it just a little bit. Stanford ahead 17-6 to early in the fourth quarter, but then things kind of start to turn a bit early in that fourth quarter with Cal scoring a touchdown to make it 17-12. to They don't get the two-point conversion. But then it doesn't matter because a critical fumble by Ashton Davis, the Stanford freshman quarterback who was in on a running package play, fumbles it. Cal eventually scoops it up and scores. They take the lead with 9.54 to go. Cal rediscovers its running game from there, and the Stanford offense goes silent the rest of the way, except for Cardi's field goal at the buzzer, which is now a mere footnote. Bears get the 27-20 win. Stanford X stays in Berkeley. The Bears break a six-game losing streak. And Stanford falls to 3-8. and eight. We'll sort through the aftermath of this in a moment, beginning with three things you need to know from the game. Or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to welcome or make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Three things you need to know from the 125th big game. Let's begin with number. <laughs> And as we hinted at, the game was teetering towards Cal after Stanford scored to close the Cardinals lead to 17-12 with 11.18 to go. Then the Bears completely tilted the game in their direction 84 seconds later. First and 10 after a couple of nice power runs by Mitch Lieber picking up five and then five more. First and 10, Stanford at its own 38. Ashton Daniels comes in, runs the package, runs over to the left side, but gets hit from behind, loses the ball, recovered by Cal, knocked loose again, then scooped up by Cal linebacker Jackson Sermon, who takes it back 37 yards for the scoop and score. And the Cal lead bears ahead with 9.54 to go. They get the two-point conversion and the lead, which they would never relinquish, as it turned out. After the game, David Shaw was asked, in part, why Ashton Daniels was placed in that situation in such a big juncture of
1: the game. We don't have a lot of options right now, if you've seen what our team's gone through. Um, and uh, Ashton's been uh, a really big part of our running game. And um, you know, trying to balance back and forth between, for the most part, he and Mitch. And uh, you know, it's, a, it's a tough uh, tough duty for for a freshman quarterback but he's shown so much promise and up until that point had really played well
0: that's david shaw and shaw also noted earlier in his press conference that ashton was really hurting after that fumble and, and and rightfully so i can completely understand um how tough that must have been on that young man there was another hidden play that daniels was involved in as he had a big run we'll tell you about that a bit later on the show but there was also another hidden play uh, that may have really turned the, uh, the tide and started to turn the tide uh, truly in favor of the Bears um, in the fourth quarter. But uh, tough memory for Ashton Daniels in the 125th big game. Let's move on to number two. Injuries in the Cardinals secondary leading to opportunities for a couple of guys against the Bears. Safety Kendall Williamson had been questionable coming into the game. He gave it a go, but was knocked out with an injury in the first half. And Patrick Fields was was hit by his own man, Lance Kennelly, if memory serves me correct, and he was knocked out of the game early in the fourth quarter. So that meant that Williamson was replaced by Alaka'i Gilman, and Omari Porter came in for Fields, and both of those guys came up with big plays. Gilman, a junior from Hawaii, killed one drive by the Bears by picking off a uh, pass in the end zone late in the second quarter. Boy, what a rough throw that was from Jack Plummer. Yeesh. And with 6.46 left and with Cal ahead 20-17, to Porter kind of staved off Cal's potential knockout blow with another pick in the end zone. That was set up by outstanding pressure by Anthony Franklin. Shaw on what Porter and Gilman were
1: able to accomplish against the Bears along with the rest of the DBs. Mari's been such a great story for us. Um, came in played early on, you know, um, got some uh, other really good players and, you know, he took some time to, you know, um, really work on his craft and, and work on himself and um, he's been ready. He's been playing special teams. Um, he's been ready on defense and um, he's, a, he's a fan favorite on our team. Um, such a positive person, such a great personality and um, guys are excited for him to go out there and make a play. We work on ball skills. Uh, for all those guys and uh coach cany has been drilling them you know all season we've got some pass breakups you know but just talking about we need to go after the ball go after the ball and it was good to see us uh do that again tonight two
0: big interceptions from a couple of guys who had to come off the bench to make plays but you know what that's that's kind of been a trademark of stanford football this year with With injuries racking the Stanford secondary this time around, and a few other guys went down during the course of the game. Tristan Sinclair, an inside linebacker, numerous other guys. John Humphreys limped his way uh, through the game as well. That means opportunities for other guys to come in and make big plays, and both Porter and Gilman were able to do just that. Let's wrap up three things with number three. Stanford down 27-17, five seconds left. Ball at the Cal 43. And on comes Joshua Cardi for a 61-yard field goal. We've heard about his range. We've seen some of the longer field goals that he's hit from 50-plus yards that looked like they could have been good from 10 yards more or so. But Cardi comes out for a 61-yard field goal and he hits it. It's the longest field goal in Stanford history, knocking Rod Garcia and Mark Harmon out of that top spot. Both of them connected from 59 yards out. Garcia against USC in 1973, Harmon at Purdue in 1981. So, all right, Joshua Cardi from 61, it's good. But it was also the final play of the game as the clock expired. And that's why it was weird to see Cardi hit the 61-yarder at the buzzer, but the Bears storming the field at the end of it all. Shaw on why he decided to trot Cardi out there instead of trying for a Hail Mary.
1: In a perfect world, um, we threw that play to Elijah, had him get some yards and, and get down, and thought maybe the clock maybe ticked off one or two more seconds than it should have. Um, you know, the idea is to get that, um, spike it, you know, kick a field goal, get an onside kick. I mean, we've got to score twice. Um, throwing the ball into the end zone, you know, got a better chance of you know, our superstar kicker making 61-yarder than, than throwing the ball down there versus seven defenders.
0: Now, of course, and John Platts pointed this out in real time on the Stanford Radio Network. I was He was right to my right. I heard him say it. There wasn't enough time for Cardi to kick a, a long field goal and Stanford to execute an onside kick and get the ball back and try for one last shot at it. But at least Cardi's in the record book. I mean, we we figured he'd be in there somewhere, right, after the season that he has had, still perfect in field goals on the season, has not missed to this point, and now the 61-yarder with the carry on top of it. So Cardi's in the record book. That's pretty cool. I just wish there had been a bit more joy behind it. Because I said on Twitter, normally if Stanford hits a 61-yarder, I'm jumping up and down. Not so much this time around. I wasn't jumping at all on Saturday afternoon walking out of that place. Those are three things. Numbers from the game. Tanner McKee, 29-45, 271 yards in the touchdown, but also through a back-breaking interception uh, to a double-covered receiver with 2.16 left. That really ended um, any hope for Stanford to uh, come back and uh, seriously threat uh, threaten the Bears in that one. Mitch Lieber. Uh, kudos to that young man, and we'll talk more about this a bit later on in the show. 22 carries, 83 yards in the score, plus seven catches for 53 yards. When he came into the post-game press conference, he walked into the room. He was the only uh, player made available th- available to us by Stanford Athletics. Uh, Lieber came in. You you could tell he had played a football game. Dirty uniform, he even wasn't even wearing his 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 jersey and his pads. You know, his eye black smeared all over his face, you know, hair all must, all sweaty and all that stuff. But, you know, Mitch Lieber, he played his heart out, born out in the numbers. We'll talk more about that in a bit later on in the show. Ashton Daniels, yes, he had the big fumble. He also had a big 43-yard run to set up Stanford's first touchdown on the game's opening drive. So that was a big, big play. But he did also have the big fumble. And a hidden play that Daniels was involved in as the Cal defense stopped him for no gain on third and one on Stanford's own 17 on the first play of the fourth quarter. That was a hidden play. Uh, Stanford just in terrible field position for much of the game. More on that in a moment or so. Uh, But Cal able to turn that uh, great field position. They were able to get starting in plus territory, getting a touchdown to put them within five. And then the next thing you knew, they were taking the lead on defense. A deeper dive on some of the things that I saw in Berkeley on Saturday. But first, this. The TreeCast continues, 27-20. The Bears beat the Cardinal in the 125th big game. I was in the building, in the press box, in the Stanford radio booth to witness it all with my very own eyes. So let's do a, a, a deeper dive into, into some of the things that, that came out of this game for me. Stanford's offense disappears yet again. Pulls another disappearing act, especially as the game goes along. McKee started 22 of 28, 206 yards, pretty efficient. But in the fourth quarter, 7 of 17 for 65 yards and the interception. After a terrific touchdown drive to open up the second half, and take a 17-6 lead, four different guys touched the ball on those plays on that second-half drive to to open up the second half. It seemed like it was more, but you saw the the, the variety in which those guys were being used. But after that terrific touchdown drive to open up the second half, Stanford went punt, three and out, three and fumble, three and out, punt, pick, and then the 61-yard footnote field goal. Over the last seven games now, Stanford has had a grand total of one touchdown in the fourth quarter in its last seven games. One touchdown in the fourth quarter. And twice in that span, they've been outscored by their opponents by 15 points or more in the fourth quarter. Outscored 21-3 to in the final frame by Cal. And, of course, outscored 18-3 in the fourth quarter against Oregon State. Not for nothing, Stanford's field position, especially in the second half, just terrible. Just absolutely terrible. That certainly did not help out things a whole lot. We saw this against Washington State, reared its ugly head again against the Bears. Stanford started four drives inside its own 15, two inside its own 10. That's a big problem for this offense and a bit too large for it to overcome. And I'll be dead honest with you, part of me was... Was, was actually was actually glad that Cal actually scored to make it a 17-12 game because I I figured that, hey, at least Stanford gets a chance to reset the field position game, and Stanford will come out the better for it. Get the ball thrown their own 28, okay. First down, okay. Oh, fumble, take him back for six. Darn it. But field position was not Stanford's friend. I don't know what happened to... Standing on the 10-yard line when you're fielding a punt, and if the ball's going over your head, you just simply let it go, let it bounce into the end zone, and hey, if the other team downs at the one, hey, kudos to them, tip of the cap. But a couple of punts that were fielded inside the 10, fair caught inside the 10. This Stanford offense can't, can't have that. It can't have that. I just let it bounce. But this is what happens when the offense is not explosive enough. This is what happens when you are just not able to sustain drives, to get chain-moving plays consistently. This is what happens. This is what happens. You know it. I
1: know it. David Shaw knows it too. We're not dynamic enough to go down the field six yards at a time. Um, We have to find a way to create those those big plays, run or pass. And when we get them, yeah, we get field position, momentum, and we go down and score. Um, it's the bottom line. So um, if the combination of efficiency and explosive plays, they lead to scores. If you're inefficient and you don't get the explosive plays, you don't score.
0: Yeah, a pretty honest and, I think, an accurate assessment of things by David Shaw. And you know what? To To me, as it stands right now, it boils down to this. If Stanford wide receivers don't produce... The offense is broken. It's that simple to me right now. Elijah Higgins, eight catches and a touchdown. Bryson Tremaine, a 21-yard grab, that was a thing of beauty. That was nice to see. That was also Tremaine's only catch in six targets. That can't happen. And even though Higgins broke a couple of touchdowns, broke a couple tackles, rather, on that touchdown, it, it, it seems like breaking tackles by him and the rest of the receivers has been the exception rather than the rule. Dropping wide receiver screens doesn't help matters out much either. And aside from Ben Yarosic the pass catchers, by and large, aren't coming down with contested balls. So if you're not coming down with contested balls... You're not breaking tackles, and you're struggling to win one-on-one battles, which is something we've seen for mostly the entire season and became even more glaring once Michael Wilson went down with injury. Your wide receivers aren't getting it done. It's unfortunate, but that's just how it looks right now. Granted, it seems like Stanford receivers face more contested balls than most But it doesn't seem like this year's core is coming down with them at anywhere near the same rate. It's on the wide receivers. Now, it's on McKee to deliver balls on time and on target, and that's been been hit or miss at times, especially over the last few games or so. But with the talent that's on the outside... The wide receivers need to be making much, much, much bigger plays more consistently. If that doesn't happen, this offense is not going to go anywhere. I'm not blaming Mitch Lieber here. It's not his fault. He has been admirable. He has been lights out. I mean, he, everything that he has been asked to do, the situation that he has been placed in, Converting from safety, learning the position at this level on the fly. Man, he's been admirable. Had a couple of terrific blitz pickups. He's looked great in pass protection. And as we've said before, you are not playing running back and seeing time on the playing field for Stanford if you can't pass protect. That's just a non-starter right there. And he had a pretty nifty catch too, on the opening drive of the game. McKee put a bit too much air underneath it, maybe sailed on him a bit too, but Lieber bailed him out, making a great one-handed snag, landing out of bounds at the one, and then Lieber punching it in from one yard out, touchdown Stanford at seven nothing. Great catch by Lieber. After the game, I asked Mitch about
1: it. We um, knew we knew it was, was going to be a productive play, um, so you know, you know, ran that free release. Uh, Tanner put it out there. Um, just just did whatever I could to, to bring it in, so it was, it was a well-executed play.
0: Yeah, it was a productive play. That's Mitch Lieber, and he played as well as he could and probably even a bit better. But he's in a tough, tough, tough situation, and right now he's not going to beat you. He's not going to beat you as long as Kerry was just nine yards. There were times when y- there were a couple of pile-moving runs by Lieber that were impressive. But defenses still don't respect him enough for him to be a true threat. And that affects certainly the slow mesh for Stanford offensively as well. The slow mesh works when E.J. Smith is the running back, right? It works when Casey Philkins is the running back because those guys have the shiftiness, the wiggle, and the savvy and the burst and the ability to break tackles if necessary and make some sizable gains out of the slow mesh. You had to play that honest when it was Smith and Casey Philkins in the backfield. It doesn't have as much of a chance when the other running backs that Stanford has had to play this year are being trotted out there because opposing defenses aren't going to respect those guys as much as they are a Filkins or Smith. So I, I hope folks aren't coming away from from, from this the last couple of weeks trying to put any blame on Mitch Lieber. He is doing the absolute best that he can. And I've been rather impressed with what he has done. But you can't, I don't think, depend on the Stanford-Russian game to win games right now. It's got to come from the passing game. It's got to come through the air. And that means the receivers have to make much, much bigger plays than they have. That means Tanner McKee's got to make much, much bigger throws than he has. But at this point, this offense is, is inefficient. It's inefficient and not suited to being able to grind down leads and being able to find out a bad field position where it is right now flip it over to the other side of the ball and I'll admit I was shocked shocked by Cal's game plan I couldn't believe it let's see Bears offensive line has been brutal all year I'm amazed Jack Plummer is still standing and walking around and has use of all of his limbs based on the beatings I've seen him take this year Bears offensive line's been terrible Stanford coming in had the next to last ranked rush defense in the Pac-12 so what does Cal do they throw it on 21 of their first 22 snaps. They don't even run the ball until their second play of the second quarter. I couldn't believe it. I didn't understand it at all. It's like, what? why aren't they running it? Shades of big games passed for Cal, 2020 in particular, when the Bears just seemed so cl- to cling so much to their passing game when the running game was right there form. They didn't discover it until too late in 2020. I didn't understand it at all. Now, then again, that being said, Cal also had six passing plays of 15 yards or more in the first half. I mean, I like some of the big plays that Caillou Blue Kelly made. Ethan Bonner came up big on a couple of occasions. But still, Stanford giving up a 44-yarder when Cal had first and 18 on its own nine-yard line in the second quarter. That one was particularly tough to stomach. Cal had big plays through the air, amazingly enough. And they did a good job of getting the ball out of Jack Plummer's hand quickly. So the offensive line didn't have to do what it doesn't do so well, pass protect. So the Cal Offensive Brain Trust figured it out. Although, you know, they they weren't trying to run the ball even though they weren't trying to run the ball, almost literally, they were still picking up yards. But they weren't scoring touchdowns yet. And then the final piece of the puzzle came in the fourth quarter when the Bears completely figured it out. Or more appropriately, they figured it out. As in Jaden Ott. Their freshman running back, we told you about him in our preview episode last week, rang up 274 yards against Arizona in mid-September, but it only carried the ball 83 times for only 282 yards in the six games after that, coming into big game. But then in the fourth quarter, on that first offensive drive for Cal in that frame, they they started pitching it. They started tossing it to Ott, letting him run wide, getting him out to the edges. And Stanford couldn't stop it. That's where Ott got his big gains. That's where he got all of his gains, really, throughout much of the entire game. Jaden Ott, 12 carries for 86 yards in the fourth quarter alone. He only had six carries for 11 yards coming, coming into that fourth quarter. But 12 for 86 in the touchdown in the fourth quarter alone. So even though there were some fine individual plays for Stanford defensively, we we told you about Amari Porter and Alaka E. Gilman, Anthony, Frank, Anthony Franklin with the superb uh, uh, penetration and pressure on Jack Plummer to force the interception uh, to Porter. Caillou Blue Kelly and Ethan Bonner with some nice plays as well. Still not enough. And once Cal remembered, hey, wait a minute, we got to – pretty decent running back in the backfield. Oh, wait a minute. Stanford has problems stopping the run, too. Once that happened, the Cal offense truly hit a different gear, and they started getting in the end zone. No coincidence there. So now, it comes down to this. Literally. One more game. One more game to go. Stanford hosting BYU. That will be an 8 p.m. kickoff on the farm this upcoming Saturday. After a big game,
1: I asked David Shaw what his message was to the team. We missed an opportunity to get our seniors the axe. And now we have an opportunity um, to send them out with a win in their last game at Stanford Stadium. Senior day. um, A lot of families coming to town. Thanksgiving. um, It's the least we can do for our our seniors. Let's get them one more victory in the stadium.
0: Yep. That's that's really what it all boils down to now. Win one for the seniors, the guys who have bled and sweated and thrown up and, and, and all those sorts of things for this program and have had some good moments, but have really had some tough things thrown their way. Get one more win this season. Get one for the seniors. And try to remove some of the sour taste that 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 you know certainly a lot of fans have about about this season for stanford football hey at least we still have the legends trophy right that that's something isn't it (laughs) for beating notre dame (laughs) so stanford did get one trophy this year there is that right any port in the storm i guess As always, I welcome your thoughts on the show, on Stanford football. You've got them, I'd like them. Via Twitter is the best way to go. Assuming that's still around by the time you hear this. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way for me to ensure that, that I see what you have on your mind. As I mentioned earlier... I will be on Compass Media Network's national radio play-by-play duty this weekend for LSU versus Texas A&M, so I will not be at the farm on Saturday. So here's what's going to happen. We will give you a preview episode of the BYU game that will likely come your way on Wednesday. We will not do a review episode because I'll be spending much of my time getting back from College Station, which isn't really an easy place to get back from. (laughs) <laughs> on sunday so we will not do a review episode after the byu game we will do an end of season kind of review where things stand all those sorts of things we will do that episode but in all likelihood we'll probably wait about a week or so i want to i want to let some some things kind of kind of settle perhaps a little bit after the uh after the fi- after the regular season is done so uh, that that programming note for you, just the BYU preview episode this week, and then we'll likely come at you the week after that. But we will come your way on Wednesday of this week, previewing Stanford and BYU the season finale for 2022 Stanford football. you post game postgame from Cardinal head coach David Shaw and a little bit from Stanford running back Mitch Lieber. Special thanks to them, and special thanks to you for joining us on this episode of the TreeCast. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and go Stanford. Talk to you later this week on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, on the Believe Network, and presented by Bet Online.